Anecdotes for success. Level up with truth, meaning, trade-offs, perspective. C-H-A-N, Chan the Man. Simon Chan the Man. Well, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, I'm disappointed you don't get to meet our partner, but you know what that means, Simon? I just get to ask more questions. So... <laughs> Appreciate it. One, the first show of his kind. So I'm excited. Thanks for yeah, having no, me. Yeah, no, absolutely. So why don't you just start off and tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I'll ask some questions along the way, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm a shy, quiet Asian kid who grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Was um, went to school everything out in the East Coast, moved out to the West Coast, and I had a good corporate job. Um, very low paying, but I loved the job. It was in sports. And um, I thought I was just going to work hard and climb the, climb the corporate ladder and get to, uh, you know, maybe being a sports executive uh, by the time I'm 50, 60 years old. And then in um, 2000, early 2000s, I read a book that totally changed my life, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and basically taught me the concept of passive income or residual income, getting worked on something once and get paid over and over again. And then you don't have to work. I was like, that, what the heck? I've never even heard of that before. You know, I was, uh, my parents uh, pushed me, I think typical Asian, you know, the stereotype, study, study, study hard and get a good job. Uh, and I was like, that's what I was going to do. So anyway, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad exposed me to something I never even knew about. I never even learned about business and what passive income and what true wealth is generated. So that got me looking into starting a business. I didn't have any business background. I was scared. Um, no business, never done any sales or marketing, anything like that before. So somehow I was doing a lot of soul searching, sort of about doing a Subway franchise. Actually, I know Max does that. And at that time, I just didn't have the money. Uh, didn't, it was just a lot of work for me. I was like in my early 20s, I was in my 20s. And uh, then I got into, someone told me about direct selling, network marketing. And I never knew what network marketing was. Uh, but I read a couple of the books by Robert Kiyosaki, other personal finance guys like Robert Allen. And then we'll talk about network marketing is a good way for the average person to start building a business and getting to be an entrepreneur. So, um, and I wasn't really sure, but I was very skeptical. I read a blog, you know, I even read the book Network Marketing for Dummies. That's how dumb I was. And uh, and I also, at that same time, I was doing a lot of soul searching. Uh, you know, Jesus Christ is a big part of my life. And I read Purpose Driven Life. And then I did the 40 chapters of exercises of Purpose Driven Life. And I found that a God's purpose for me was to have a positive impact as many lives as possible. That was my purpose. And as I thought back, even though I'm shy and quiet, I'm introverted, I've always enjoyed mentoring and coaching. Now, I'm not like the social butterfly, I go out there to meet people. But once I know someone, I always enjoy mentoring and coaching. Right? And, you know, when I was younger, I used to coach in my youth fellowship in my church. I used to coach a youth basketball in Chinatown, get like, we we'll get the kids off the streets in Chinatown, you know, coach them at the YMCA. I enjoy doing that stuff. And I found that, that network marketing, direct selling, uh, even though there's a lot of misperceptions about it, misconceptions about it, um, is really about helping others, not just sell, 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 recruit. It's really about empowering. So that's how I said, hey, I'm, let me give this a shot. And I started it. Um, I had no success for many, many months. And, and then finally, my turning point was I had a mentor that made me consistent. Now, I believed in the product. I believed in the industry. I just no, made no money. I invested by $2,000 already and no success. But my mentor really pushed me in the right direction. And once I started becoming consistent, I started getting results. 
I started building, learning online marketing way back in 2004, uh, doing Google AdWords, uh, Yahoo Overture. Overture, actually, Yahoo was the first company. Most people know it was a pay-per-click, paper, paper search, a pay-per-click company. Yahoo bought it out. I started doing that. And eventually, long story short, built a seven-figure business in network marketing. And then in 2013, uh, I, I launched my second business, which is a coaching business for people in direct selling. Because a lot of people were at, coming to me asking for help and in direct selling, how to sell, sell, how to recruit. So I launched a second business just as to see if what I really liked it and I ended up liking it. And now it's been almost 10 years since I've been a full-time uh, in as a generic coach for people in direct selling. There's, all right. There's a lot we got to dissect there. That's awesome. And, and well, and something tells me you're not done yet either. Well, I figured I look, I still look young. So I got, you know, God's purpose, man. I still got a lot of things to do. A lot of lives to impact. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that's funny. First of all, when you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's the first book my high school seniors read. Mm, awesome. It's, it's, it's eye opening. Like it's, it's so simple. And they, they look back and they're like, wait a minute, I can do A, B, C, and D. I'm like, yeah. And they get all thrown back because they're, they're smart honors students. They're expected to go to college. There's a lot of pressure to have said job, A, B, C, or D. They don't even know if they like it because it's probably their parents putting that mind, you know, idea in their head. So watching their eyes open and, and, and the fact that they can maybe do something different is fabulous. And then what I like about what you just said is that wasn't your original path in life. You, you went the normal corporate path. And, and tell it like, when, when did it really click in your head that you just didn't want to go down that path and you wanted to, to do something on your own? Was it just after that book? Was it immediately or did, did some time go by? Well, I think for the longest part of my life, like I didn't, uh, and I think for those who are listening out there, especially if you're young, you're in, you're in school, you never know what you're going to end up doing, right? I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing. Like for the, you know, um, like I said, I grew up with typical Asian parents, and uh, my dad was a doctor. He was actually rags to riches, grew up in the ghetto in Hong Kong, uh, came to America for the American dream, had a successful practice, and did really well. And I was always, I went to public school, but I was always the richest kid in the public school. But for me, it wasn't about the money. I always wanted to go to Yankee games, go to uh, the Madison Square Garden and watch the Knicks. My dad was always busy. So to me, the value wasn't the money. It was more about time. I think that's why nowadays I don't really work much. Uh, after like 3 p.m., 3.30, I don't work. I, I'm doing baseball today. My other son has a base, baseball game. I, have, I built a batting cage in my house. And so we all practice every single day, at least 10, 15 minutes doing swings. Um, so for, for me, when I was young, I thought I was going to – I didn't know what I wanted to do. The only thing I really wanted to do as a kid was I want to be a baseball player. I want to play for the New York Yankees. And then sadly, when I was like 12 or 13, that dream died because I wasn't good enough. And I was like, what else do I want to do? And I basically had no purpose, no dream. And then I thought I was going to take over my dad's practice. You know, like my dad is successful practice. You'd be a pre-med. And, but I didn't really want it. But I figured that's the right thing to do. And so, you know, I never did well in English. I was never a good speaker. I was, I was actually teaching my, uh, sharing my boys about having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, right? A fixed mindset means you're never going to be good at anything. A growth mindset is like, I'm not good at it yet, but one day I will be. And, so I asked him, like, is daddy a good speaker? Said, oh, yeah, you're a great speaker because they see me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. But they never knew, like, when I was a kid, I was, like, the worst speaker. And I was, like, my parents used to tell me, like, hey, you know, Asian kids are good in science and math. And don't worry about it. Just focus on that. But the problem was, you know, I'm Asian, but I sucked at science and math. 
So I'm like, well, I, I'm, I'm thinking I can't do well in English. I'm not good in the science of math. So I ended up not being a doctor. And again, if you're not pre-med, so in college I was pre-med, uh, what, what was I going to do? Be pre-law. So go work a little bit and be, get a law degree. Anyway, I ended up getting involved in sports. And that was actually the first thing I really liked. And I thought my career was going to be in the sports. I love sports. I worked for actually for the NBA, National Basketball Association. One of my close friends was an NBA player. That's why I moved out to LA. He played for the Clippers. Um, but, you know, I think in life, we take different turns, right? You never know where you're going to end up. And there's a saying, where you're going to be five years from now is determined by three things. It's de determined by your personal development, the people you meet, and the places you go, right? So for me, I was involved in sports and I never knew I was going to start a business, but I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So your personal development is really important. Like you listen to this podcast, it's amazing because you never know what this is going to lead you into, right? So the second thing is the people you meet. Uh, if I never met my friend who played the NBA while I was working in the NBA, I would never move to LA, right? So, and then actually... The funny thing is Rich Dad Poor Dad was introduced by an ex-girlfriend of mine. She was, by the way, when she was in the 20s, I had this great job I loved and, you know, I didn't make much money. And she was just like, she wasn't a sports fan. She's like, yeah, but what's so good about that job? I'm like, well, I get to go to games. But like, you're making no money. But she was the one that, you got to read this book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. You know, by 25, she had like three real estate properties. Because she read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Her parents got her to read Rich Dad Poor Dad when she was like 18 years old, right? So that, knowing her, going out with her, led me to Rich Dad Poor Dad. And that changed my mind. So that's why, like, if you're listening to this, one thing I encourage you to do is always go out there. Never just stay in your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is the most dangerous place because you never grow. Go out there. Go read the books. Listen to the podcast. Watch the TED Talks. Go out to meet people. Go to events. You never know. Events are the best place to meet people because it expands your thinking. So for me, like, at that time, I never knew I'll be doing, I never knew I'll be doing direct business. Or definitely never knew myself would be direct selling, especially direct selling is something that you requires sales skills, leadership, speaking on stage. Never thought that was possible, but that led me to that. And then never thought I was launch a second business, a different business about coaching and mentoring. Uh, but you know, God has different ways that you know He, he has a plan for plan for you. You just gotta go out, do your best, and always put yourself to new ideas. Like I said, personal development meet new people, go to different places and expand your horizons. So to answer your question, I have a lot more left. Yeah, I do, but I'm not really sure exactly. I think sometimes we have an end goal, but you don't know exactly how you're going to get there. But just do your best and things will fall in place. It's a great question. Uh, a lot of people that listen to this, they're in their 20s. They're trying to figure out what they want to do. Maybe they're pivoting. They they don't know if they went to college for the right career. And what Matt and I always, gosh, I wish wish Matt was here to meet you. But I, I'm going to keep saying that throughout the podcast. And I'm going to tease him about it. But, uh, you know, the, the most important thing is don't set any boundaries or parameters or fences around your life thinking you can't do anything because you didn't start on the path you think you might want to be on, right? Yeah. Uh, I love the three things you said, the professional development, the people you meet, and the places you go. If you can do those three things and take some action and just start and go, you, you don't know where you're going to end up, right? It's, I mean, I, everybody wants to have a journey where they're going, 
Uh, but I, I always use the analogy like, OK, you're on the highway, you're, you're going to where you think you're going, but don't be afraid to take all the exits along the way because you can get back on. Right. But but it may take you to a better place. So you, you mentioned that it's a journey. But to me, your your bigger journey has a meaning. Uh, I mean, you're, you're doing this because you want to make the biggest impact on people and the success you've had personally along the way just sounds like it's come from serving others. Yeah, definitely. I think when you're young. You know, when you're young, I think this is something I learned early on. It's like, what, and we want to go all in. We, we, you read a lot of uh, entrepreneurs like Elon Musk, whatever. He's just got the big vision, right? Or Steve Jobs. And, but sometimes we get stuck. We feel like if we do this, we, I, I got to do this for the rest of my life. I think I made that mistake early on too. Even when I started a business, uh, like even had, had a business partner, we were awesome partners. We got to be partners for life. No, it's just like, it's in different stages. And I think you don't need to have it all figured out when you're in 20s. Just go there. And, but at the same time, you do need to give yourself, say, at least three years at something you choose. So if you choose something, give it a good three years, and then you can reevaluate. Re do I still want to do this or not? But expand your mind. Always your personal development. Go to events. Go to places and meet, uh, meet new people. So I'll give you an example. Uh, like before we start the show. Like I was like, I was really impressed. Like you have two daughters that play college sports. That's, that's my goal, right? For my son to play college baseball. So we were on, um, and right now he's playing one of the top teams in the entire California. How he got there was because we were on another team and we met someone else that recruited him to another team. And then that led to another team, right? So it's the people you meet. And then just recently this summer, in the last two months, he really grew like 10 times as a player. And because we went to one event, in Florida in July, right? It was out in Fort Myers uh, before the hurricane. But it was just like people were like, oh, why are you going to Florida for an event? It was against higher level competition. He got invited to a top competition. He was one of the top kids in our area. He got invited to play in this nationwide tournament. Uh, we played against kids in Texas, you know, Alabama, kids that we never played. And that was like totally eye-opening. Like he's one of the, the, I would say, top players in our area. We went there, he was just an average. And I was like, wow. And meeting the people. For, so for me, I expanded my network. Um, if, I, if he was to go to college, because he's my oldest son, this is all new, this process. What does he have to do? What tournament does he have to play in? How does he get exposure? And then for him, it was just like, he thought he was good until he saw these kids. And then when he came back, he was totally different work ethic. Like he worked hard already, but now he just realized, oh, and I, when, when I asked him, what did you think of it? He's like, oh, I thought I was good. And no, no, I'm not that good. Now he's working a lot, lot harder, right? And that's an example of going to an event and you expose you to different people, different ideas. And um, so that's why I encourage you. If you're young and listen, you don't need to have it all figured out. Just focus on what you're doing now, but be always be open to new things. And I think, yeah, if I had to go back and give myself advice, what you're doing now doesn't mean what you have to do for life. And, you know, I love what I do right now. Same thing. Well, I don't know if I'd be doing this 15 years from now. I don't, but I love what I do. But if whatever I do, I'm, and he, here's another thing one of my mentors told me, you can quit but never quit on a bad day, right? So if I was going to quit this, I'm not quit when the business is down. I'm going to quit when the business. So that leads to an exit strategy, right? So if you're young, you say, I'm going to give this three years. In three years, what's your exit strategy? How are you going to transition out? Don't just say, oh, if this didn't work, I'm failed. I'm going to jump to the next thing. A lot of people do that. If you're quitting on bad days, you actually develop that quitting muscle. Every time things get tough, you quit. No, quit on a good note, right? If, you're in the, if you want to um, quit on the business, quit on a good note, then quit. Because it builds your self-esteem and confidence when you do that. 
it's fabulous stuff. And it's, it's funny listening to you talk about all the, the traveling you've done with baseball. I mean, my, I had people thinking we were crazy when we fly out to Huntington beach or Denver or Reno or Florida to play events. And, you know, my, my daughter's personally stayed on the East coast, but it's not even a break your comfort zone thing. It's, if you don't know what's out there, how can you even compete against it? And how can yeah. you get better and go to the next level? Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I played college golf a hundred years ago uh, and played, tried playing on some mini tours in Florida and it didn't work out. And now that I'm 50, I look back to where I thought my life was going to be when I'm 22. And I don't even recognize myself in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, you can take that competitive nature you learn in sports and use it for anything else you do, right? People can call it passion or obsession. Yep. And I think, again, when you're when you don't get to where you think you're going, if you're staying consistent and working hard, a pivot, I guess, is the big word, but it's going to take you to so many places you didn't know existed, right? Yeah. Like you're doing with your son right now and like you've done in your life. And that's why I joked earlier saying, you know, you're not done yet. You you might not even recognize yourself 10 years from now after all the success you've had. Well, hopefully I won't recognize myself, yes. right? That's what we, so yeah. I think, you know, um, getting back to what you said, like quitting, uh, like changing too quickly. It's like, if you're going through a tough moment right now, I encourage you to hang and stay course because that's when we learn the most. You don't learn when things are good. You learn when things are challenging and bad, right? That's when you're learning the most. Um, when things are good, you know, you, you, it feels great. But I mean, I look back, I always have a saying, your worst moments are the raw materials for your future success. The worst moments and the challenging times. That's because all the solutions are inward, they're inside. I mean, the first rule of leadership is never criticize, complain, or condemn. Don't criticize, complain about other people. Look inward. What mistakes did you make? Yeah, I made a ton of fiascos. That they're all my fault, right? And when you accept the responsibility, look inward. Then you're like, oh, man, wow, I should have done this. I could have done that a little bit better. But, but so if you're in a tough moment right now, look at the lessons. What are the lessons you're learning? How do you change? How do you adapt? And then get on a winning streak. And then if you don't like what you're doing, go transition out. Okay, getting back to my son, you know this. I mean, it was awesome. We sat hunting the beach. We played in tournaments all the time. It was only like 30 minutes from my house. But, uh, you know, when my, my son just recently got a huge surge of power, hitting with power, right? Because we just changed the stance. Did a, it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, crying, temper tantrums, whatever, changing the stance with a kid who was, who was doing pretty well. It was not easy. But he struggled for a little bit. That forced us to change, right? When he was doing well, it didn't make us realize the change. So in anything in life is when things are not doing well, that's when you look inward, what do I have to do a little bit better? And that's how you get better and better and better. You work on. So getting back to your long-term question, I think, you know, when you're, if you're listening, you're in your twenties, you don't have everything to figure out <clears throat> and stay on track. If things are tough, go end on a winning note. Go always end on a positive note. That's something I learned from one of my mentors is like, they say, what's the best, uh, and you appreciate this, you know, your daughter goes to Vermont. What's the most important run, a ski run of the day? The most important ski run is the last run of the day, right? Because if you had a bad run, you wipe out, you don't want to go back on the slopes tomorrow. But if you end on a good road, you're like, oh, that was fun. The next morning, you're right back up there at 9 a.m., right? So you always end on the same thing with baseball. Uh, I have a batting cage. We work, we always end on a good note. We always end on a good hit. And then we can rest. Right, because if he hits a bad, then the next day he's thinking, "Oh, I didn't hit well. I struck out," and that can, that lowers your self-esteem and confidence. So always end on a good note. Same thing. If you're going to transition to something else, end on a good note. 
because that boosts that confidence, the self-esteem, and that's really, really important. That's something that your self-esteem is the thing that you have to protect the most. Yes, and I have to say real quick, she goes to Binghamton, not Vermont. I just wanted to say that same conference. Oh, you said, who's the other one? Buffalo, you said? It was um, Buffalo, yeah. yeah. Buffalo, got yeah. it. Got it. So, so, I, you I'm know not, what? I got confused. It, it, I'm so bad. So, you know what? I, for some reason, I thought Burling, uh, Burlingham, Burlington. Yeah, Binghamton. Same conference, but I mean, I'm not trying to play gotcha guy. I just wanted to clear it. She, she'd kill me if she heard that. So, uh, listen, can we talk about your book, The Consistency Pill, a little? Sure. I think, again, with all that I've, I've taught for 26 years and, and amongst some of the other small businesses I've had, and I, I just, I'm not going to give up the teaching yet because I just enjoy it so much, you know, and I, I coach as well, a couple sports, and I just love being around the high school kids. And what I'm finding is the biggest lesson you can give them as a teacher is to push them hard enough where they do fail and feel uncomfortable. Not, not to the point of it being punitive and setting them back forever, right? But teaching them. And when I read your book, I mean, I know a lot of it, or I listen to your book. I got to clear that up. I always say read it, but I, I listen to you read me the book. Uh, just the, the name itself is so simple. Like if, if they could, if people just read that name and just be consistent every day, it's amazing how successful they'd be. I mean, we can, I have a couple things about the book I, I want to ask you about, but what, where'd the title come from? How'd you think of this? How, the brainchild for this whole thing? So I look back to my success. I definitely wasn't the smartest. Like I said, uh, I'm in an industry where I have to speak a lot and definitely was a terrible speaker. By the way, in college, I was uh, in any class that class participation was like 25% of the grade or something. I would just say, it's all right. I'll just do well in the midterms and get a B, B plus. I just give up on A. I just wouldn't care. Okay. I was scared. I would maybe raise my hand one time the whole year. I definitely didn't want to speak. Um, but Looking back to my success a um, couple of years ago, I was like, why? And it wasn't easy. I definitely did a lot. I failed a lot. It was because of consistency. You know, I stay consistent. Now, like, for example, if you were anything you want to do, if you want to be good at it, you stay consistent with it, day, doing it daily, you get eventually you'll get good at it. If you're not good at selling, you do it every day, you get good at it. If you're not good at public speaking, which I wasn't, if you attend Toastmasters or put yourself in a speaking situation every week, you eventually get good at it, right? So that's why I felt, because I think now, I look back in 2022, there's so much personal development trainings out there, right? Like this awesome resources, podcast, right? And those for success. None, none of the stuff was, was around when I was, when we were growing up, right? If it was, we had to pay for it. Now, every, you, can, you can learn anything you ever want on YouTube for free or on a podcast. But the thing is, people are still stuck. They're not, a lot of people are not successful. It's because there's no consistency. And actually consistency is more important than ever now because we live in a distraction economy. You just constantly, you know, shiny new objects, distracting us, you know, try out this, do this and do that. So, but if you stay consistent, you eventually get good at it. And I just want to say, you know, all the trainings out there are great. All the podcasts are great, but none of it matters if you don't take consistent action on what you learn. Because, and then I think sometimes people with the learning, learning, they think that's, the key to success. Learning is not the key to, to success. They say knowledge is power. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. Knowledge is, is power is itself. It's just useless, right? It's like, so you have all this knowledge, are you going to put it to action? I, I, one of my friends, he's a mentor of mine, he's earned over nine figures 
in network, like over 100 million in business, right? He doesn't even finish reading a book. He doesn't even read. But what he does, once he reads a book and he finds something he needs to take action on, he puts that book down, but he never even reads it again. But he makes sure he takes action on it within the next 30 days. He puts that book down in the next 30 days. No matter how busy his schedule is, he's working to take action on one idea. And then the next month, he does the same thing. And over 30 years, he's applied 30, 360 new things. And, and that, again, compounds exponentially. So that's why I wrote the book. Uh, I can go on and on about it. It, it really consistency uh, creates mastery. And, you know, I just shared this in my pep talk on Facebook and Instagram this morning. Like, like if you do something once, the effort's kind of wasted. Just say, I just, you know, I want to get in shape. I go to the gym one time. That's like wasted effort because you're just going to get sore. You don't really get that much better. But if I go two days in a row, then all of a sudden, the second day builds on the first day, right? Let's just work in your golf swing. Like I haven't swung a golf club in years. If I just went to swing, go to the driving range right now, that's a total like now, you know, maybe I have some fun, but waste of time. I'm not going to get any better. But if I went two days in a row, immediately you actually, the reward of that first day increases because the second day builds on that. Third day builds on that, and you get better and better. So anyway, that's why I wrote the book. It's, it's really right now, there's so much training, but the missing, missing thing is the uh, consistency pill. As I said, the pill, because it's like a supplement. You take it, you get good at anything. It really is. I, I After I listened to it, I was talking to my students because, I mean, we all procrastinate in some way, shape, or form because we're good at deadlines. And I, I tell my students that where you lose out in life is if it's something without a deadline, like getting in shape or starting a business or traveling, right? Like if you don't, if you're a procrastinator and you're not taking action, years may go by and you just never do it. So the question I ask them is how they, they take a college English class within my program. So they all wait till Sunday night and they spend about two hours to work on their assignment on Sunday night. I said, what if you spent 15 to 20 minutes every day of the week? Would that be hard? They're like, no, that that's not really a lot of time. And I go, you're going to do better work and it's going to feel eff less effort to probably have yeah. a better result than grinding out for the two hours. And I, I know you touch base on that. We don't even have the attention span to work for two hours. Yeah. I mean, most people don't. Right. And, and often like I did this, I was, by the way, I was totally guilty of this in college because yeah, I'll cram for exams. And right after exams, I don't remember a thing. Yeah. Right. Because that's not the way we learn. It's like, I want to be a better golfer. I'm going to go and play for four hours today. I'll be sore tomorrow. I didn't get anything better. But if I just that's practice true. my that's swing true. in my backyard for 10 minutes a day for seven straight days, I'll be 10 times better golfer than I did one time a day. Right. That, that, that's the way our humans, our muscles, that that's how we learn by doing it daily. It's amazing. Just you could have five non-negotiables that you start out every morning with, right? You could have, I mean, I don't know if it's health or your business or studying or talking to your family, listening to a podcast or reading. And probably, I mean, if we go with three years, like you said, you're not even going to recognize yourself in three years, yet alone probably six months. But boy, you, you mentioned a word earlier. You call it the distraction society? Is that what you said? The, the, the distraction economy. Like these companies, like Apple, economy. Facebook, Instagram, they, they, they make money when they distract us, right? Because think about it. You're, we're working, right? You're working and all of a sudden, uh, you, oh, I got to check this Instagram, this notification. They just made more money on you because you're spending more time on the platform. And, and there's a saying that they, they talked about in that uh, documentary, the social dilemma documentary. When the product is free, the product is you. You're the product.
Mm-hmm. Right. You're the product. You're the sucker. You're the product. So when and I'm not saying social media is bad because I social media is a big part of my business, but you got to use and that's it. Wisely. Why, that's why we're here right now, because I mean, yeah. because of Internet and technology. Right, right, right. So, but you got to yeah. create constraints, limits. And I want to touch upon what you said. You said, you know, getting back to your English assignment for your students, 15 minutes a day. You know, in the book, I talk about the, the seven components of the consistency system. The second component is you got to create and schedule the time. If you're going to say, oh, I'm going to work on English 15 minutes today, but you don't have a, it's not in your calendar. It's not blocked out. It's not going to happen. Right? It's like the people who work out, like I've asked them, do you work out consistently? They say, yes. I guarantee you, they have a, it's a consistent routine. Sometimes, whether it's early, first thing in the morning or after work or lunch break, there's a routine. If you ask people, when do you exercise? Oh, when I feel like it, when I have energy, that, you know, that person has no routine right? Doesn't exercise consistently. So you got to create a routine. You want to spend 15 minutes doing the English assignment, create a routine. It doesn't need to be two hours, could be 10, 15 minutes, but make it a habit. Whether it's first thing in the morning, you look at it or during a lunch break or work at it or right after school, whatever it is, create that routine because routines create consistency. You know, you, th- there was a phrase in the, the book, I like consistency huddles. I yep. thought that was great. Where you, Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so we're all human, right, Paul? So we get off track. I, I got off track multiple times today. I don't know yeah. why. I think it's because uh, my, my son got a baseball game last minute. I'm excited about it. And then and he's doing well. And I'm, my other son has got practice. So I'm distracted. So we always lose focus. It could be a social media and email comes in that makes us lose focus. A consistency, however, so if you want to be productive, consistently, you got to plan out your day. The night before, plan out your day. Just list out five things you have to do. And then you rank them in order of importance, eight, one, two, three, four, five. And you only work, you work on number one first. You don't move on to number two or three until you finish number one. All right. So for me today, it was marketing. I had to work on some on, uh, online social media marketing. That's the number one thing. I have an um, advertising person that helps me. I got to get in touch with them, have them change a few campaigns. So that was my number one priority. And during the day, of course, I was a little distracted. But a huddle was basically... You know, when you're tired, a minimum, do it once or twice a day. Say, okay, go back to your checklist. What have I done today? Am I on track or off track? And just like in sports and basketball, they have a game plan, football have a game plan. Like, hey, you know what? We're not running the place we should be running. Or there's a defense. We got to go back. So it's like, kind of like a huddle. Say, where, where, where's the day headed to today? And it allows you to get back on track. So normally I take at least two huddles. Number one is like I take a nap every morning. I get up really early. I'm up at 4.50 a.m. every day. I do a live video at 5, 5.25. Uh, and then normally at 9.30, 10 a.m., it's funny, when most people go to work, I take a 30-minute nap. But before I nap, I actually take a huddle. Say, so when I wake up, these are the three things I must do first. I'm not looking at social media. I'm not looking at emails. These are the three things I tackle. When I tackle one of them, I can go look at emails for five minutes. And, and that's another thing, the tool is to set a timer. It's five minutes, got to go through all my emails. Take that huddle. And then in the afternoon, when I walk my dog, I do a huddle again. Okay, once I come in, what's the first two things I have to do? And this just allows you to stay on track. Because if you don't go on track, we're human. Our minds wander. We get distracted. And next thing, the whole day is gone and we achieve nothing. That's so true. And, you know, there's it. I mean, basically, you're talking about dis- discipline. But, you know, I just I like consistency huddle better. I think like for especially for people trying to get their life on track. Discipline to me is such an overused word. I yeah, mean, I think just, discipline, when people say discipline, the reason I don't like the word discipline that much, like you, Paul, is because people, 
I think people think that you're born with it. Like yeah. I was definitely not disciplined. Okay. When I was in college, all I did was people say I was considered disciplined. The only discipline I had was playing video John Madden football to 4 a.m. in the morning and then cutting class the next day. That was the only discipline I had. I had no discipline whatsoever, right? But you learn that our brains, we're humans, we're not born disciplined. We don't, we are going to be distracted. What we need is certain mental hacks that help us get back on track, right? Uh, like, for example, consistency huddle, having an accountability partner or using a timer, like go check your emails, go check social media. Without a timer, you can spend on there for 30 minutes, an hour and do nothing. Just, just on scrolling, watching videos. But you can reward yourself to say five minutes, five minutes on social media, then I got to turn it off and go do something else, all right? Or change your environment. Like I have like a beautiful home office here, like a library studio, but I get burnt out. Right. So I actually don't, I actually don't, do any, I can't do any creative work here. I go walk for 10 minutes, almost then the creativity comes out. So discipline consistency is not something you're born with. It is a skill knowing to do, implement certain mental hacks like the consistency huddle, planning your day, using a timer, getting an accountability partner, creating a routine. And if you implement these things, then you can actually stay consistent and quote unquote be disciplined. That's so awesome. I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, sure. you talk, you talked a lot. Well, yeah, you literally talked cause I was listening to the book. I wasn't reading it, uh, rejection and how it kills people. And I'm paraphrasing. I think you said you had a mentor one time that said, all right, if I'm going to get one success or sell out of a hundred opportunities, I know every no, I'm one step closer to that. Yes. And can you just talk about your mindset with rejection? Because so many people, have all these goals and they read all these books and listen to all these podcasts. And as soon as someone says, no, they're just done. But that didn't even seem to be in your vocabulary. Well, the no's definitely bothered me. Right. Um, right. And they should. Just, just, yeah, they should. And then they go through personal development, training, learning. Like if you listen to this, like, I, like no one ever told me about how to overcome rejection. Schools definitely don't teach you this. Right. So I learned that number one was like, they're not rejecting you. Okay then what are they rejecting? They're rejecting the message. There's nothing, nothing against you personally. Right? But I think the biggest thing that I learned was no one's ever thinking about you. Right? I, I learned that, you know, there's a, when you're 20, you're worried about what other people think. When you're 40, you don't care what people think. And then when you're 80, you finally realize that no one was ever thinking about you. So and I'm like, don't wait that to the 80, right? Like, so like Paul, no one's up staying at night and oh, can't believe that guy Paul. He's doing this show. He's doing no one's up there thinking because they're also worried about what they think people think about themselves. They have no time to think about you, right? So go live the life you want. And you know, another thing is if you're buying their opinions, you're buying their lifestyle, right? If you're if you think you're better, you have something good to offer someone, and you're listening to their advice, make sure it's at least it's someone's that that you strive to be. You look up to, and often we get affected by people's opinion. Most of the opinions that we affected are people who are maybe close to us, but not where we want to be. So for example, you want to make a million dollars, be a millionaire, and your best friend who's making $40,000, $50,000 a year or is in school right now, oh, if that doesn't work, don't listen to that person. Listen to people who are better than you. Their feedback, maybe you listen to a little bit more. But people who are, so if you buy their opinions, you're buying their lifestyle. And ultimately getting back to the, if you're doing sales, the one out of a hundred is you can always break down things. You know, in everything in life, there's two ways to look at things, right? So you can say, oh, 
when I, when everyone says no, I lost money. Or you can break it down to money. So for example, if you're selling something, you make a thousand dollars for one sale. So you need a hundred people. You need to talk to 100 people to uh, make a sale. Instead of thinking, I make a thousand dollars per sale. So that means you have to go through all these rejections and no, no, no. Divide it up and say, hey, for if you're going to take a hundred people to say no to you, every time someone says no, you make $10. So if you say no to me, Paul, like, thanks, Paul. Thanks for the $10. <laughs> Max says no. Hey, thanks, Max. You gave me another $10. You just change it. It's like, you know, a lot of success, I share, like consistency, discipline, it's all about the mental hacks, learning to see things differently. It's not bad when they say no, because every no is a numbers game closer to a yes, right? Like John Wooden, the, the great uh, league basketball coach, when the player used to miss two free throws, he was happy. He was like, why are, we miss, why are you so happy he missed? Oh, he's 0 for 2 on the free throw line. Just because he's going to hit the next one. Because he knows the guy's a 60, 70% free throw shooter. If he's going to go 0 for 2, he's going to go another, what, a 3 for 3 to balance that out, right? So it's all been the numbers and the order way to how you, how you view and how you frame things. I, uh, you know, it's funny. I used to talk about that with my daughters because softball is like baseball. It's such a game <laughs> of failure, right? I mean, literally, you fail more than you succeed. And if you strike out the first time up, you go up next time extra happy because you're one at bat closer to starting your next streak. Right. Exactly. And, yep. and, and it's it's completely isolated from the last one anyways. But instead of getting it in your mind, something bad's going to happen. Odds are something good's going to happen. It's just the way you you set it. Right. It's just the way you set it up. And you so, visualize success. I always say things happen yeah. twice. First in the mind and then in reality. Well, you may say, well, Simon, visualizing like your daughter, you struck out. Well, visualizing you guys getting yourself a hit. Assuming you're going to get hit. That's not that's just make believe. It's fiction. It's true. But visualizing yourself getting her out is also fiction, not true. So if both are not going to be true, you might as well visualize positive, right? And Absolutely. sometimes people say, well, the positivity stuff, that's like a woo-foo, whatever. Hey, you know what? Positivity doesn't guarantee success, but negativity guarantees failure. Absolutely. And, and we've positively made it through every day in our life, right? And Absolutely. So that's a win. Yeah. I mean, not like you're some bobblehead walking around that, oh, everything's so great all the time but you got through all your bad moments. So use that. I, I, I love your message. I love what you're talking about. Uh, we have, we have students, they, they get to spend time out of the classroom one to two days a week. So they'll email or call somebody and they don't get a response right away. And you, you touched base with it earlier is that person's not thinking about the student. They have a busy day. They're a professional. And my students send out that email or, or phone call and don't get a message back. They're like, Oh, I guess they don't want me to be there. And I'm like, no, no. no so yeah, so I think follow-up, right? Every successful yeah. people, they follow up. And I think people automatically, that's assuming negative, right? Oh, that person's not interested. No, that person may have like the son, the, the child may have gone sick. They got like another homework assignment. There's so many of the million things that could have happened. Or their favorite show, TV series just launched on Netflix and then binge watching and not replying back to messages. There's million, don't assume negative, positive. And, you know, I just connected with, you know, I have my own show, my podcast. This woman, it took me seven years to get her on my show. I finally got her on the show, right? It's just fortune is in a follow-up, follow-up, just because they don't reply back right away. It's not like they're on the phone. Oh, oh, I can't wait for you to send me a message. I'm going to reply back. No, they're not. They've got, they have a life. They're doing other things. So just don't reply back. Doesn't mean, oops, just people, just because people don't reply back does not mean they're not interested or they don't care about you. They could be busy or they could read the message and miss it. Just think about how many times you've got a message and you didn't have time to reply right back. 
right? It happens to you. So how come it wouldn't happen to someone else? And yeah. but be yeah. persistent and follow up. And I, I want to share the story. Like when I first started my podcast, just like the way when you started, people, and this was back in 2015, podcast wasn't even big back then. A lot of people didn't even know what a podcast was, right? So I, I tried to get this very successful, uh, he was like a millionaire entrepreneur on the show. It took me like seven months to finally get him on. And when he got him on, you know what the first things, and I would follow up with him every month. You know what the first thing he said to me? He said, Simon, I don't even know your background. I don't know much about you, but I'm on here because you follow us so much. The fact that you follow up, you must be very successful. Right? So I'm telling you, successful people follow up. Most people do one follow-up too, and they stop. The successful people, they follow. Now, I'm not saying follow up 10 times in one day, send people 10 messages, but you can send one message a week, once a month. You keep following up. And a lot of the, the more successful a person is, they actually are waiting to see how many times you follow up because their time is valuable. Then you're just going to say, oh, well, I'll give up my day, change my schedule around to talk to you. They're, they're testing you out. It's a, that, that's, that's a great lesson to leave that with is, is well, it's being consistent, right? Following up. <laughs> so three quick things before we end. Uh, first of all, I can't, I have to ask the logo, the headphones with, it looks like a Rubik's cube. Is there any meaning behind that? Yeah, you know what? It is. Um, so this was done on 99 Designs way back in the day in 2014. Um, submitted it. And this is actually one of the last submissions. It was, it was like a one five-day submission. They were like so, 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 so. Uh, I think this theme was, it was a podcast. Okay, the ML Nation started as a podcast. And um, my business at Network Marketing is a global business. So how do you symbolize global? So that's why it's, it's a world. And then you have gotcha. the different colors, the different flags and different ethnicities. So that's how it happened. Well, thank you. You know, a lot of times people think it's like a DJ company, something like that. But uh, no, I, I put it I put it together. But to me, I, I mean, I see a circle now. I was thinking Rubik's Cube. So uh, second thing, and I always we always talk about this at the end. So the, the four things we try to get out of our guests in the podcast are truth, meaning, trade-offs and perspective. We think those are the four pillars that make you successful. And I'm telling you, if, if we dissected what we talked about in the last 40, 45 minutes, I, you've touched base on all of those. I mean, you, you seem as honest with, as they come as far as interaction with people and following up and, and helping and having a mission and, and the why. And you, you've made a lot of trade-offs in your life and you, you have things in perspective. So I, I just want to thank you for, for all the knowledge bombs that you've dropped to our guests tonight. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You've been an amazing host. And I appreciate you for having me on the show. Absolutely. So I want to end. Where where can we find you? Where where can our viewers find you? I'll put some of that in the bio and description and all that stuff when I put it out there. But but give us give a they, shout out to where we can find you. Yeah, they can go to, uh, to my website mlmnation.com or go find me on Facebook or Instagram. It's Simon W Chan. Simon W Chan on Facebook or Instagram. And and, and I personally actually still personally connect, reply back. So if you send me a, if this message resonated with you, I can help you in any way. Send me a DM on uh, social media. Uh, I may not get back to you right away. And hey, remember that lesson. I don't reply back to you right away, but I will eventually get back to you. I actually personally reply back to all messages. And I do have to correct you. It's Chan the man you said earlier on. Chan the man. <laughs> hey, Simon, th this was fabulous. We, we say it all the time. I mean, for, for startups like Matt and myself and, and just to be able to reach out to anybody in the world and have a nice conversation for 40, 45 minutes. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Paul. It was a ton of fun.
Absolutely. And especially you have a baseball game you've been thinking about the whole time. So I know. How yes, we do. <laughs> well, Simon, thanks so much. You're welcome. God bless everyone. All right. Bye.